Apple teased the iPhone 12 family last week, but we finally got our hands on the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro. So what's the verdict? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is Patrick Holland, who spent the last several days putting these phones through their paces. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, man. Two times in less than a week on your show. I, I just wish they released iPhones every week so I could just talk to you weekly. This is great. Well, we'll have to find other reasons to get you on, Patrick, because we love having you on. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. So, ultimately, what do you think? You, you spent some days with this. What do you think of the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro? They're pretty fantastic. I mean, they're amazing. It's the cliche is always to say it's the best iPhone ever, and these truly are. I think there's some significant upgrades from the 11, and I think both the 12 and 12 Pro show that. Um I think for me, the, the, the not weirdness, but the hard thing to get your head around is how similar the 12 and 12 Pro is. And is that a bad thing? And that's what I've been wrestling a lot with my review. Um, I think the, the quick way I like to think about it is forget last year, forget the 11 and 11 Pro and the $300 difference and the features. And if you think of the new lineup a little bit like the Mac lineup that Apple has, whereas the 12 mini would be something like the MacBook Air, and the 12 Pro would be like the MacBook Pro, like the 13-inch, and 12 Pro Max, the 15. And I think the 12 is the MacBook, which has always been kind of a weird product for Apple in the last, like, five or six years. Like, is it, is it the Air? Is it a consumer thing? And I think that's where the 12 falls. That's an interesting comparison because the MacBook, I mean, is basically been discontinued. It's always been kind of the, you know, the the lesser, like it's the one that always gets the le- least attention, right? Because it, it, it was sort of a tweener product and it, it didn't, it wasn't as cheap as a MacBook Air and it wasn't as powerful as a Pro. Do you sort of see that as the issue with the 12 this year? I think the analogy holds up in a couple of those instances. I think it's it's definitely not as cheap as obviously the iPhone mini, and we can talk about price in a second. But I also think uh, as far as power, it's got the A14. As it's the same size. It's the same build uh, aside from the stainless steel. Um, it, it is remarkably the same phone. And I think if people had them both in their hands, I mean, I gravitate more towards the Pro. I just think it, it's a little heavier. It feels more solid. And I compare that more like um, I'm a camera person. So there's like these awesome cameras from Sony called the A7S 3 which are thousands of dollars. They're they're well made, and those are solid cameras. But then you hold something like a Leica M that costs eight or nine thousand, and the build is just on another level. And I think the fit and finish on the 12 Pro, you see it earn its thousand dollar price tag. I, that makes sense to me. Um, and if you think of the iPhone 12 as kind of a affordable version of that phone then that makes sense. But this is not an iPhone 11 replacement phone. I think that's going to be the 12 mini. Gotcha. Now, you know, after spending that many days, what are some of the highlights? What sort of stuck out with for you when using these phones? Um, I don't know. I can't believe I'm leading with this MagSafe. <laughs> I love it because, I mean, I wrote a whole feature about why MagSafe is, is such a feature that you, you can't fall asleep on. That might actually be more interesting at least in the near term, than 5G, frankly. What about MagSafe was interesting to you or stood out to you? I mean, the, the things with Apple, when they get it right, they get it right. It works and it's fun to use. I mean, those are the two basics. So what what, what is MagSafe really, uh, if, if you haven't read Roger's amazing article? Basically, <laughs> Apple has wireless charging on the phone and the inaccuracy of how you place a phone on a wireless charging pad really 
will dictate whether it's getting a full charge or not or the speed of that charge, right? The efficiency. So Apple put some magnets in the phone and then made a little charger with some magnets. So the charger and the phone will always line up perfect. Or I, I think I said the word, they nestle perfectly together to optimize that charge. But then Apple didn't stop there. They could have just stopped there and sold this little puck for $40. We could talk about that later. Um, and they made a case. And the case has magnets in it too. So now if I have the case on the phone, I could put the MagSafe charger on the back of the case and it's still getting that full 15 watt charge. But hey, why stop there? You have magnets, magnets can hook things. So why not make a detachable wallet that doesn't charge your phone, has nothing to do with charging. Now you're just kind of being silly and putting leather products on the back of an iPhone. So it's fun. And when you put the the accessories on there, there's this little animation on the front of the screen. Um, I haven't seen this in person, but um, I saw in a demo that someone put like a magenta case on and the colors of the animation were more magenta. So I'm curious if there is some data being exchanged with the iPhone. Um, and Roger, what do you think this means for the next iPhone with something like MagSafe being launched now? I mean, that I think uh, beyond the next Mag, uh, the next phone, I think that the the opportunity to open up some of these accessories, you know, I, I talked with uh, the CEO of Belkin and with Otterbox, and they talked about some of the opportunities. Gaming was a particular one. Imagine sort of a, a set of Joy-Cons or, or gaming controllers that could snap onto the back or a better camera, uh, camera grip, you know, extra battery. You know, we talked about those those old Mophie juice packs, you know, you have to kind of, you used to have to like plug them in. They were really bulky, but imagine a much thinner form factor that just clicked on and started charging the phone. Like, I feel like the the opportunities with MagSafe uh, in the near term, again, are are pretty big. Um, and just, there there is a cool factor of it kind of snapping into place and just knowing that your phone is charging correctly. That's always been kind of a, an annoyance with, with wireless charging. And I know what's what's great for an audio podcast like like yours, Roger, is talking about things you can't see. So right. I have the MagSafe charger here, and what I think, it looks like a stethoscope. It looks like a toy stethoscope yep. you, I had as a kid. So this, there's that aspect of it. You just want to touch it. You want to pick it up. You want to stick it on things. Um, a side effect of the MagSafe, I can't believe we're talking about MagSafe this much, is I was sitting, I was at a, a metal table and the with a MagSafe case on, and it just had that little extra grip to the table. You're like, well, you don't have to worry about your phone sliding off. <laughs> kid proof, maybe? Question mark. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't pass put it past my kid to to somehow get past the MagSafe and throw that thing on the floor because it's definitely happened in the past. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's move on a bit to 5G as well, which is the other big feature that they talked about. Did you get a chance to even try out the the 5G connection? Like, are you in a 5G area, and like what? How was that experience like? Well, and I think that I, I'm um, I'm um, in Greenville, South Carolina right now, which you might not think is the mecca of 5G, like like a city like Chicago or New York. But uh, I was surprised. Yeah, so I actually had a SIM card for T-Mobile 5G, and I had that in the 12, and I had a SIM card for Verizon's, I think they call it nationwide 5G. It's not the really ultra-fast, uh, ultra-wideband. Right. Um, but uh, I think the two things that... Uh, there's a lot about 5G. Let me see if I can come break this down. So as far as the connection, I was impressed with how much coverage was actually in a city like Greenville. Um, it's well covered, at least on the corner of the map. Now, the thing about 5G is speeds. So let's talk about that. I feel like someone should buy stock in that company's speed test because everyone's probably downloading this app to test it out. 
So on Verizon, on the nationwide 5G, I average download speeds around 100 megabits per second, which is, is it's good. It's, it's good. It's not 1.2 gigabits per second like millimeter wave. Um, and But the impressive thing, I thought, was the upload speeds. And I actually didn't get to talk about this in my review. Um, they'd be around 37 to 40 megabits per second uploads, which is faster than my very pricey home internet. So there's that. T-Mobile, oh man, I, I like T-Mobile. And this is no judgment on them as a company, but at least in Greenville, South Carolina, I think I'd never passed 14 megabits per second download speeds. That being said, when I was watching YouTube videos and doing things I normally did on my phone, um, I never had problems on T-Mobile or Verizon. It wasn't until I was doing stuff for the review, like trying to download season three of The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and that's when both phones kind of choked on that. But that's more about the 5G. Um but you know about this. I know we, we talked about this a little bit about their smart data mode, Roger. Do you know about this? Yeah, smart data mode. We both of us had a nice conversation with Apple about the this feature on the phone that really allows you to switch between different bands of 5G as well as 4G. The idea here is that you know 5G is a huge, huge power hog. Right? You spend enough time on 5G or actually very little time on 5G, particularly that, that millimeter wave spectrum, that ultra wideband you were talking about. And your phone runs out pretty quickly and it heats up really quickly too. That's what we found with a lot of early phone, early 5G phones. Uh, smart data mode is this bit on, it's this feature on the new iPhones that um, basically smartly switches automatically between 4G and the different bands, low band, mid band, uh, and millimeter wave spectrum. Uh, and it's smart enough to kind of understand what you're doing. Like if you're listening to music, you probably don't need 5G, but if you're streaming video or you're playing video games, it'll know even what band of 5G to go and automatically uh, switch, which is kind of great because we've spent like the last year, two years really trying to educate listeners, readers about the different flavors of 5G and why there are different needs and different speeds and limitations to each of them. Apple threw all that out the window and basically said, "We don't, you don't need to worry about that. We'll just let your phone handle it. Now, it, it's thanks for bringing this up because it's uh, Apple did give us the option or noted to us that it gives us the option to turn off this mode. So you can be on 5G all the time if you want, uh, but you probably don't want to be. Um, but the, the, it's one of those things where, you know, 5G has been talked about for just a long time. There's still a lot of confusion about how it works, what different bands are, what the different versions are. Apple basically just said, don't worry about it. The phone will have you covered. So it, it was an interesting um, it's an interesting solution, a very Apple-like solution to the confusion about 5G. But I'm curious if you saw that in action and, and what that, what or if anything, you you kind of gleaned from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, even with Android phones, you know, sometimes I think that how to say this more precisely, the five G uh, indicator is interesting, and I'm curious to see how much of that is Apple or the carrier, because I do think even on Android phones, you'd see um, not to pick on T-Mobile, but sometimes you'd pick on you'd see five G, you're like, is this really five G? Mm, does not feel like it. Um, but I would say this, though. Uh, I, I think you and I have a similar quest, which is what is that? What is the the root of 5G? What is the holy grail of 5G? What is that magical thing that's like, oh, I get it now. And it is speed, right? It's speed. It's the remote surgery. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but it, it's more importantly, on this phone, Apple did come up with one compelling I think compelling thing, which was FaceTime HD over cellular. Now that might not sound like a big thing, but I don't know if, about you, but I've been using stuff like Zoom and FaceTime quite a bit during these last few months, as I think a lot of people have. And being able to see that 
HD image on a 5G connection, I was okay. I was like, that's good. I want more of that. I want more things like that that I don't have to think about. It just went into it. Um, I went in and turned off the 5G uh, connectivity and it went back to the non-HD version of FaceTime. So it is neat to see that in, in action. Um, I still hold by this though. If you're just getting this phone for 5G, do your homework. Just make, make, make sure that your carrier that you're on, if you're going to stay on that carrier, has 5G in your area. What are the speeds like? What's the coverage right like? Um, because I just don't want people to be going to get this phone and being disappointed that they don't have those speeds or that it's not as fast as some of these videos that we put out um, might hype it to be um, like a millimeter wave. Um, but if you're okay with being, you know, not a guinea pig, but um, being an early adopter of the 5G, I think this is a great phone to do that because another thing they, they talked to you and I about was the amount of 5G antennas. Um, I have a feeling there's a lot more coverage bands that they didn't even talk to us about in this phone and the way it's, it's made. So that means as things are being updated or rolled out or as, as more spectrum is being allocated to carriers, that uh, your hardware is going to be there ready to, to handle all that. So that's pretty exciting. But the best part of the iPhone, don't worry about 5G. Just use the iPhone. <laughs> well, that is, uh, no, that's great. I'm glad we were able to kind of sort through that because 5G, I think, is a big question. For a lot of folks, I think, frankly, it's still debatable. If you're just upgrading for 5G, you may want to just hold off because the 5G experience isn't that great. But this is a good phone to consider when you are ready for that upgrade. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, beyond 5G, want to talk about the camera. Obviously, that's one of the things that, that people care about. Uh, iPhone cameras are generally really, really good, really strong. How are the the new versions? What are the differences between the 12 Pro and the 12? Yeah, I think I, I'll say this as easy as I can. All the cameras that are on the 12 are on the 12 Pro. Then the 12 Pro also has a telephoto camera and a LiDAR sensor, which adds some really cool things, which I can talk about in a second. Um, as far as the quality, we have to start thinking about cameras not just as the hardware, um, but yeah, we do have a new lens on the wide camera that lets in more light. Uh, the ultra wide camera is the same as the 11 11 Pro, but then we have software and there is an amazing <laughs> distortion correction or it's called lens correction is the actual technical term um, on the ultra wide camera. It'd be like having a piece of paper who, that the corners are rolled up. That would be like the old ultra wide image coming out of the 11 11 Pro. And imagine if someone just took an iron and kind of made it flat. And that's what this lens correction does. This is nothing new. We see this in like Adobe Lightroom software. So, but it's neat that your camera is doing that automatically. And like the 5G thing, you could turn that on or off. But then the other part of it beyond software is that A14 chip. And that has a new image sense, image signal processor. But the bigger part of that, I think, is the machine learning. So what does all that add up to? You can now have night mode on your ultra-wide camera. You can now have it on your selfie camera. You can take portraits in night mode and they're I don't take a lot of selfie portraits, but these are really good. Um, and then there's the Pro. So what do we get with that value? So the telephoto lens is largely, it seems like the same as it was on the 11 Pro. Obviously, it gets the the uh, the software improvements for deep fusion, which is kind of targeted at the telephoto lens. and Or people jokingly call that sweater mode. So the idea is it takes care of those, those uh, textures and 
reduces image noise. That's all still there. But the big thing is that LiDAR. So a lot of people associate LiDAR with augmented reality, which is there. It works great. I didn't even get to talk about that in my review because there's so many other things to talk about. But here's where I really notice the improvement is the autofocus. So the iPhones have good, solid autofocus in good light, like, like a lot of cameras do. Um, but when that light goes down, it, it can get kind of, especially in night mode, it can hunt. It can, it just goes to contrast detect is looking for the edges of that object or that person. And the LIDAR does not do that. In fact, I was shooting a lot of the night mode video. If you look at our review video, almost all the stuff I shot at night was with the iPhone 12 pro and it was able to track me and never lost focus on me. And it was pretty dark at points. And I was just, just dumbfounded. Is that something that like, in a weird way, like 5G, that you're going to understand and see a, a thing and just be like, oh, I get it now. It, it's hard to explain autofocus, but when it works so well like that, then you're like, and you don't have it like on the 12, then you're like, oh, okay, I do see that. So if you shoot a lot of videos at night, get get the 12 Pro. Um, no, don't do that. But yeah, you do see that. So that would be the camera improvements there. I think the the thing that's kind of on the horizon, though, is that iPhone 12 Pro Max, because we do have a new sensor for the uh, main camera and a longer lens finally, a longer telephoto lens. So excited to see all that. Uh, Apple, what's it called? Apple Pro Raw, it, the the software they make that kind of combines a raw file format um, for photos that allows you to tweak things after the fact and Apple's computational stuff was not on this phone at this time. So I'm still excited to try that out. But yeah, these cameras are amazing. Can I say one more thing, Roger? I know I'm talking a lot. I, Go for I just it. Caffeinated and punchy from reviewing these phones. I would say this though: if you had an 11 or 11 Pro, not worth upgrading just for the cameras. Um, it's not to say that the cameras aren't good, but I just don't think it's like I, the camera stuff is very iterative year over year. But it is amazing to see how just two years ago how different these these phones are and the images they make got it well that's great i've got a couple of random questions from some listeners if you don't mind uh in terms of magsafe going back to magsafe uh do you know if the magsafe accessories will work with older iphones yes magsafe except well okay uh let's talk about the charger because that's really the main one there the charger will work with older phones i have i put my iphone 11 and 11 pro on it and in fact I'll do it live. I will do it live during the show. Um, and what's cool and what's cool about it is um, it will charge your phone, but you have to place it in the right area. Since the iPhone, older iPhones don't have those magnets, it might not charge unless you move it around just right, kind of like a regular Qi wireless charger. But yes, it does work on older phones. Right, but it doesn't, uh, I don't think it does the full quick charge, right? It's It sort of operates as a standard wireless charger? Yeah, and I don't know what the, the, the charger has a 15 watt charge, but it will not be delivering that to your iPhone 11 or 11 Pro, so it's probably less. Uh, right. And the other thing I should say, as far as the other accessories, like the cases, you, the, those aren't gonna fit on an older phone because the, the body's changed a little bit. I, I, that might seem, ob and obviously, the detachable wallet will just stay detached because there's no magnets. <laughs> right. And then the uh, obviously there were a lot of rumors going into this that the, these phones would get a 120 hertz refresh rate. We've seen a couple of Android phones tout that. Uh, but for the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro, like there's no way to do that without a full hardware upgrade, right? Yes. Um, there's or You're correct. There's no way for Apple can't just like, hey, guys, we turn on a switch and here's your... Um, 
unless they're not telling us that the displays have the hardware to do that. But I think that would be a feature they would advertise heavily. So no, it's not, you're gonna, not going to get like a December surprise where it's like, turn it on and welcome. 120 hertz. That would be, ama- that would be amazing, <laughs> that would be by the amazing. way. If they just, just dropped it after Christmas, <laughs> like, hey, we've got a bonus feature for you guys we didn't want to talk about. And if um, it's just Tim, like Tim Cook with a Santa hat, like, hey, y'all, go ahead. Promotion. Exactly. Well, all the time. We, do, we will have more to talk about with the iPhones. Obviously, you've got the 12 and 12 Pro, but we don't have the 12 mini or the 12 Pro Max yet, which come out next month. And I'm sure at that point, we'll have you back on to, to talk about whether or not those phones are ultimately worth it. But it seems like you're, you're coming away pretty impressed with these phones uh, after just a few days, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had these for about uh, five and a half days now, and I, I'm very impressed with both of them. And I think my hot take on the Mini now is like, if that Mini is truly not different in any way besides size, holy smokes, that's going to be an amazing phone. And then it makes you also wonder on the flip side of that, that Pro Max, man, if the cameras are this good in low light on the 12 and 12 Pro, what is that going to be like, right? So it's a very, in a weird way, I wondered why Apple rolled the phones out like this. It makes complete sense to me because the 12 and 12 Pro are so similar. They're the MacBook and MacBook Pro of this lineup. But yeah, that that Pro Max has got a lot of interesting features that the Mini doesn't. And just the size difference alone will be fun. Maybe we'll get to, you guys, do you remember the, Roger, do you remember the ads, um, I think it was in the 90s when they had that, or the early 2000s, they had that large 17-inch laptop, and it was um, the basketball player, and it was the guy who played Mini-Me from Austin Powers, and they also had the 12-inch MacBook, and Austin Powers guy had the 17-inch one, and the basketball player had, had the little tiny one. I'm expecting an ad like that from Apple. It's like that, so. Yeah, well, I'd love to see the, the contrast sizes. Those are those are sort of the, the two ends of extremes. Um, we'll definitely have those, well, presumably sometime next month. Uh, Patrick, thank you for your time. You can read all of our Apple coverage and his reviews on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. If you'd like to receive direct text messages from me, text 646-461-4291 to sign up. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out a lot. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.